What's up, guys? What's we up? got a full house. We got a full house up in here this evening. Hey, hey. We got Biscuit. We got uh, Blake, the president of 307 Project. <laughs> and we got our brother Darby up in here. Darby, what's your last name, man? Uh, Hopper. What? Hopper, like Grasshopper. Oh, Hopper. Hopper. Dar- Darby Hopper. Um, Yeah, we got a full house. We're, we've been looking forward to this episode for quite a while. We've had a pretty good day today. Uh, me and Darby just got done with a run. Brooke was started the run with us, but she overdosed on mustard today. <laughs> I heard she blew it out both ends. <laughs> I, like an hour before we went to run, I ate two pieces of toast, three scrambled eggs, and one with jar kale of and one jar of mustard. I did. I did mustard avocado toast. You know, that's the that's trendy thing now, avocado toast. So I just layered mustard, avocado, and then mustard. And uh, we were running, and I told them if it was just Chad, I would have just kept going. Because if I had a blowout, it would just be Chad. But since it was Darby, I cut off at about three miles. And Have you ever went to put mustard on your hamburger or something before the mustard gets to the lid? And you you squeeze it out, and just the mustard juice comes out. Yeah. Oh yeah, I hate that. Yeah, Biscuit lets mustard juice in our bed every night. <laughs> I for I've never in my life heard of anyone putting mustard on a uh, avocado on toast. An avocado no, toast. I ain't I, I and I'm not talking about just like a little. Smear. Couple things of mustard. I'm talking about she had a bed of mustard. My throw up was bright yellow. Bright yellow. Mm. That's disturbing. Happens. It's disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Me and Darby's ran twice now. We did a run the other day on the Pinhoti. And um I did that run too. Well, yeah. Quit trying to count me out of everything. Sorry. Well, you had your own little group there. You didn't run with me and Darby. Y'all left us. Well, I was running ahead. I, I, I took off out of there. And then I was like, man, I'm, and then I turned around and ran back and found Darby. And then we ran together pretty good pace for a long while. Missed a turn. But Darby uh, did a 50K. Yeah. You blew out your shoe and weren't able to do it. Well, yeah, I did blow up. My shoe fell apart. Y'all yeah. might have saw that. But in two, I had to be home by 2 o'clock for Easter. Mm-hmm. So I told her, I said, if everything goes perfect on this run, I'll be home in time for Easter dinner. Well, everything didn't go perfect. When we missed our turn, added like four miles, then my shoe blew out. I mean, it was a double whammy. It was perfect, though, because you came home and we had a good Easter with family. Did you have a good run? Yeah, it was good. I was ready for it to be over, though, for sure. Yeah. But. Well, I mean, I guess you ended up running over 50, well over 50K that day. Dang, I didn't even Definitely. think about yeah, that was a good the track. extra yeah. that y'all ran. Um, Darby's an ultra runner. Uh, Crossfitter. Crossfitter. Cold, I mean, cold plunger. Cold plunger. He's a man of many talents. <laughs> and uh, I just want to put something to rest real quick oh, around gosh. all this veganism and vegetarianism. 
Uh-huh. Oh, Lord. Why do you go. always do this when I'm on the podcast? Because he knows he's going to challenge you on something. I was just thinking the other, I was just thinking in here a minute ago, I was thinking, why would anybody, why would somebody be eating a smoothie when they could be feeding on a hamburger? Hold on. Hold up. Let me, did you not tell me night before last that Henry Morris, your freaking idol right now, wrote in his little journal Bible that all Christians were intended to be vegetarians? Uh, I'm going to. I'm about, Answer the question. Answer the question. Did you say it or did you not? I was actually about to read it. You're jumping way ahead of this lesson right here, okay? He said it. You're, you're getting angry. Nobody here has idols. We don't practice idolatry around here. You know what I mean. We just have people that we like to study and read from. Let me tell y'all something real quick. Uh, let me read from y'all. A little. We're going to start this off with a little scripture. In Genesis... Chapter 1, verse 29, God said, Behold, I have given you, man, every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. Now, this is interesting. Because according to this, in the beginning, man was created to be a vegetarian. And when I got to thinking about this, I thought it's the only way it would work. Yeah, there, there couldn't be any death in the That's beginning. right. There was no death. And that's what Brooke immediately said. She said, well, what about the animals? And I said, well, they was obviously vegetarians too because there was no death. Yeah. They weren't killing each other to eat meat. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this was an interesting thing. What do you think about that, Darby? I was reading in Romans the other day, and it said, it was talking about, I guess, about a vegan getting mad at somebody. If they ate meat, then you shouldn't eat meat around them. Or, you know, you shouldn't rub it in their face. But that's just a parallel, what you're talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about in Roman, yeah. Talks about eating food that's been offered up to idols or stuff like that. That's the one me and you argued about that one time. It's in the same place where it says, whatever eating meat is weak. It was when the Jews were judging the Gentiles for like eating a a special diet. And Mm -hmm. he was like, don't do that. Leave them alone. Mm -hmm. Well, and I'm just looking here scripturally. Uh, reading through the story of creation, what were we, when we were created, where we were designed to eat meat? And according to this, no, we were designed to eat herbs or herbs, whichever way you say it, and uh, fruit and vegetables and grass and stuff. Oh, did y'all hear that? You say it again? I just, we were designed? I read, I read the scripture. Did anyone, did you so, hear that? I heard it. I, I, but but see, as we move through the Bible, we're gonna. I'm gonna study about what happened because I'm thinking after the flood happened, all the vegetation was killed off, and I'm imagining that's when people started eating meat again because there won't no plants for them to eat. <laughs> For for a long probably didn't the, a good didn't the dove bring probably, back a plant? Yeah, but I'm saying there probably wasn't enough. Which there was only what eight people 
There was only eight people on the ark that survived the flood, but they probably wasn't many animals to eat for a while. It wasn't but two of each one on the ark. Yeah, good point. Well, <laughs> Biscuit, you need to put more thought into this uh, before you start talking about it. Well, there was fish. There were fish. Yeah. And birds. Um, So I'm going to study this for you guys. When and why did we start eating meat? According to scripture. And when he finds out we're never supposed to, he's going to quit eating meat and go plant-based. No, because there is a scripture that talks about when that transition happens. And I just haven't got there yet. I'm going to study that. I'm going to put this argument of veganism and vegetarianism to rest in by by studying the scripture what about romans where it says let people eat what they want to eat and leave them alone well yeah i mean then why do we have to put anything to rest why don't you just leave people alone let well, them eat what they the want thing. to eat the bible is not a grab bag and you don't get to pick and choose what verses you want to use out of it. you have to study the whole context so you might have a valid argument but you got to find out the why behind that verse in romans and just like Anything else he finds, he needs got you got to figure out who said it, why they said it, when they said it. Yeah, that's why I'm starting in the beginning. I'm I'm restarting yeah. here in the beginning. So we're way off track. That's your Bible study for the day. If Go you, eat some plants if now. You needed one. All right. So if you're a vegetarian, if you're into vegetarianism, you might be on to something. I'm not sure yet. I'll let you know as my study progresses. Um, I used to be vegan, but that shortly ended. How, what are we talking shortly? Six months. Oh, that's not shortly to me. That's a long time to be um, vegan. You know, I, I think it's a healthy diet. I, I really do. I mean, I, I think it is a healthy diet. But I, I think where, where, where I get uh, what turns me off about the veganism uh, specifically is that is, it's, it's cultish. There's a cult of them. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And that's what turns me off about it. You're not really upset with the diet. You're upset <laughs> with the way the people <laughs> act that are on the diet. Yeah. Well, and I think you say it's a healthy diet. Like Jean, I think on one of our um, podcasts she did with us, pointed out that like if people go vegan and they don't know, they don't understand protein, carbs, and fat, and you're not getting a lot of B vitamins and DHA and things that you would normally get from meat. Um, so you got to be careful. Like you got to know what you're doing, or you can really be malnourished. Listen, I thought about <laughs> this the other day, and whatever the fad is, is what everybody's going to be on because they're presenting a bunch of research to people who are already lazy and don't want to think for themselves. <laughs> so they're going to, if they can put put some stuff out, and they said, "Let me take some notes on this." When someone asks me, I ain't got to even look nothing up. It's I'm this way because of this. And it's already all laid out for them. And it's so much more work to go against the grain. Not just on a diet. I was thinking about it in a different context. But with anything, you find something on Netflix where it gives you some good, seems like logical facts, and you don't have to look up anything else about it. Yeah. It's real easy to go right along with that and not look up the research against what they're saying and really make your own decision. Yeah. It goes back to what you just said, even about studying scripture of having the entire picture mm -hmm. in order to have a true understanding of of what it is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's the most words Blake's ever said on the podcast. Somebody uh -huh. is liable to call me a fool. I better mm -hmm. back it down. <laughs> yeah. 
Blake hey. ain't no fool. <laughs> I'm glad you know that, Darby. <laughs> huh. He doesn't talk because he's worried somebody's going to think he's a fool, man. I better just go ahead and swing this mic. Mm. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, we appreciate y'all joining in um, for today's episode. We'll dig into it now that we covered all that stuff. I know that stuff right there that we just, I know that really enriched your life. So <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. Some people turn this off because of that. Some of them still listen. That's right. That's right. If I, if it was me, I'd just hit that 30-second button until <laughs> yep. I heard you shut up, and then I would start listening again. <laughs> Those are my favorite parts of the podcast. So. Um, all right, sweet. Darby, what's up, brother? Uh, look, man, I don't, I, don't know your, I don't know your whole story. I don't even really know parts of your story. Because uh, I don't, I, I've intentionally put off asking you asking you questions about the the furnace of adversity that you've had to go through up to this point in your life, and uh, and how you've developed as a man and as an ultra runner, as an athlete, um, as a Christian. Uh, but you have a really good reputation in all of the groups that we all hang out in, right? Your name keeps popping up, and uh, I think you are highly respected. Um, you have my respect just from the, the time that we've spent together. Uh, you've, you you just you, you seem very steady, very solid, man. I appreciate so, that. So, yeah, I'm interested in, in hearing how you got to uh, – how you got to be – to the how do you got to to the place where you are now where you're crushing life man you got a solid mullet you're running <laughs> you you're you're you got a race coming up this weekend last man standing um you know your your fitness is great um and, and you know i think all aspects of uh it seems like of you as a, a person body soul and spirit are in pretty good alignment right now but i know you had to get through some stuff to get to this point man so where do you want to start with this thing brother we could probably start six months old i think this is probably where it all started yeah even though at that point i can't remember i still know the story when i was six months my parents divorced for the better they should have they weren't meant to be together um Dad got straight. He had, a, you know, trouble. His dad died when he was 17. And once that happened, he kind of went off the rails, you could say. And they, my mom and him were like partners in crime, you yeah. know, doing drugs, drinking, partying, everything. Um, they got a divorce. My mom was cheating on my dad. He tried to fix it. Wasn't going to happen. So divorced. How old were you? Six months old. Six months. So once that happened, once I was born, my dad got straight. But once my mom, that almost seemed to be the catalyst. That's what broke the camel's back was her having me. And I guess she developed depression. She'd, I think she'd always been bipolar. But... uh once the divorce happened, she just completely went off the rails. I mean, 
hanging out with the worst people you could think of, drinking, drugging, didn't ma- whatever she could get her hands on, she was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, put me in a lot of dangerous situations that I don't remember, but I know, you know, it happened. My dad wasn't too happy, but there wasn't much he could do. You know, I mean, things could have been done better, but the people she were hanging around with, it was just best to just, you know, not even get into it because it was just so bad. So you were, were you, did you stay with her after the divorce or were you kind of back and forth? Did you get to spend time with your dad too or? Nope. She, she pretty much took me. Okay. And it was, I was hers basically. Um, trying to think of the next place to start. Do you remember anything from any of those times? You said you don't remember dangerous situations. Do you remember There's anything? There's one one memory I have, and I was probably three or four. We were at this gas station, and of course, me being three or four, I just thought these people that we were picking up were just some of my mom's friends. Of course, they weren't. Uh, they might have been her friends, but it was a drug deal, of course, and... Uh, we picked them up, and I guess they did what they did, and they we dropped them off at their house. And I remember my mom being real messed up, and all I remember is a crash. She crashed her car, and I guess I don't. After that, I mean, I I guess I hit my head pretty hard. I don't remember much, but I know we hit a tree, and I don't know if she just backed up and went go went on mm-hmm. with it or what. But that's something I remember at that early of an age of just how, you know, what she was doing. Mm-hmm. So, And coming up from, from that point, Darby, when you did, I mean, when you did get into, the, get up to the age where you did kind of have some better understanding of like, man, this, this ain't right. Like this ain't, this ain't normal, man. Like what was going on and how, how was that affecting you? Uh, at that time, like that real, that developmental stage of yeah. your life, man. I have a question too that goes yeah. along with that. Were there any adults in your life that were responsible and like stepping in? So this, there's two sides to my life. It was the good and the bad. The bad was when I was with my mom. The good was when I was with my dad and his mom. So my momma and they perfect. I, I couldn't ask for any better. And on my mom's side, I had my aunt and her mom, so my grandma. But nobody could, nobody could help me, basically. Mm-hmm. So I, they could have, but it was, like I said, it was best to just stay out of her way because mm-hmm. she was gonna whatever she wanted, it was gonna happen regardless of what anybody tried. Um, when I really knew that something was wrong, was probably. We were living in our Murchie in some apartments, and all she was doing was drinking. Just guys coming over every night, somebody new all the time. Uh, This is the first time we've moved around a lot. Uh, And she would just tell me how bad I I mean, this was at five and six years old, how I was never going to be anything, you know, hitting me, slapping me, making me go to my room for wouldn't let me out, lock me in the, you know, just all this 
just things that no kid should have to go through. Yeah. Or be around. And, uh, you know, seeing her get beat all the time, get beat up. She's been kidnapped before. There's so many crazy stories mm-hmm. that she just thinks she got herself into that, uh, unfortunately, she just, it was all because of her addiction. Yeah. So the drinking, do you, and I know it's irrelevant. I'm just curious. Do you know what drugs she was on? Uh, pills, alcohol. Uh, in her earlier days, it was more harder stuff like cocaine and mm-hmm. heroin and stuff like that. But she never luckily got addicted to that. But, uh, I think when it, when it got real, real bad or when I knew that it was going to get bad was when her dad was dying. So my grandpa, we stayed, we were living in our merchie at the time and he'd had cancer for years. He was, he's been, he was dying for a long time. I think this was in 2012. We moved into my aunt's basement and we lived there. Just this grungy basement, bugs everywhere. Um, and he was dying, and she drank and drank and drank. Didn't take care of him. That was I. W- I had to, yeah, take care of him, help him use the bathroom, which I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't. You know, I don't regret anything. I, but uh, he died. I remember the day she came pick me up from school, just obliterated, barely drive, barely talk. And I knew what had happened. She didn't have to tell me. She was just yelling and screaming and blaming blaming all her problems on me, as she usually would do. So that's really when the whole, when her drinking became every single day. It didn't matter. Every single day, she was going to do it. Mm-hmm. How so. old were you at that point when she picked you up from school and your grandpa died? High school, middle school? Elementary. Okay, still elementary mm-hmm. school. Okay. Yep. Dang. And uh, once that happened, I think at that time we moved out to Taylorsville, Georgia, and uh, at my grandma's house, her mom's. And that's that's when, and we lived there, I guess, for five or six years. I think, and uh, we lived at Rock, in Rockmart at one point also in a, some apartment complexes, but most of the time it was there in Taylorsville, and that's when I probably got the most messed up from what she was doing. Just, I mean, she she had these mind games she would play with me that still I have to, you know, work on. She would make me come to her and she'd like hold her hand up like she was going to hit me. And she'd do that all the time. And I still have problems with like flinching and, you mm-hmm. know, these things that somebody scares me, I get real jumpy. And these, those are things I still have to work through. Um, but she, she, I was her person to blame when she, when she was drinking. That's right. Blame all her problems on me. So, well, well, dude, how was this, I mean, how was this affecting you, especially now? Like you said, you guys are living out in Taylorsville. 
you're coming up in age, you realize what you, you have now a full understanding of what's going on. It's getting super bad. You're, you're experiencing all this trauma and just this craziness all around you, man. I mean, like, how was this, uh, what, what were, what, what did you turn to? Like, how did you keep your, if you did, I mean, obviously you did, you never quit. You, you kept, you, you, you stayed in the fight, obviously, because you're here now as an awesome human being and you have a great things ahead of you that I know you're going to accomplish. So like, what did you turn to, man? I mean, wh whether it was healthy or unhealthy, I mean, looking back on it. Well, there was a moment, it was before Taylorsville, that one night she had a guy over, and they were doing whatever they were doing. Uh, and it got to a point where she was so bad, but bad in the sense of just she couldn't even talk. Whatever she was on, couldn't even talk, couldn't even walk. And I had to, like, slap her out of it just to – she was falling off. I mean, it was horrible. And she – when I say horrible, I don't mean horrible to me. It was horrible because I don't want, I don't like to see my mom that way. I yeah. don't want, uh, and it saddens me when I see people that way till this day, not living how they, to their fullest potential. But uh, I just got down on my knees one day and I was like, man, something's got to happen, Lord. Like I can't, I can't do this without you, I'm going to go crazy. Mm -hmm. And this was probably, I was eight or nine. And ever since that day, that's the reason I know that I was able to not go crazy or start, start doing drugs myself yeah. or drinking. Where did you get the foundation to like talk to God like that? Did My mama, she's Sunday school teacher for probably almost 40 years now. And just, didn't hammer the Bible into me, but she made it fun and mm -hmm. made me want to learn. Yeah. So, and yeah. made me feel comfortable about it. So, so you believed at that age. Mm -hmm. that, I did. Okay. You, you know, what's interesting to me about that is I think that that's something that, you know, um, we, we all think about like at what age can you truly comprehend, uh, your relationship with, God or, or God and Jesus and you know I think for d depending on how you how you grow up what you experience at a young age you know it may be later in life like but Darby came to a point so early in life where he needed yeah. that like he was there at nine years old he comprehended how much he needed something bigger than him mm -hmm. to help him through this situation. Mm -hmm. And that's why at nine years old, Darby could comprehend a true relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like that, that trauma and that adversity that you were going through, I'm sure advanced your level of maturity, you know, far Had above. To. Yeah. Far above yeah. what somebody else at that age. And even now, at the age you are now, you're much more mature, I think, than your peers. You're much more settled and, and, and you know, well-spoken and stable. You know, you're not, you're, you're a solid dude, man. He, so, he had to, to yeah. stay alive. I mean, didn't, I mean, 
to you had to yeah. be smart and protect yourself, right? I mean, yeah. So what I mean when you when you did that when you did turn to Jesus for your help to to be what was gonna help you get through this, you turned to your you know you leaned on on him and and how how what happened, man? Once that happened, uh, I guess you could say I had some a little bit of peace about it, but mm-hmm. really, you're still in it, right? I'm still in the yeah. And uh, after that, when we moved out there, like I said, it got worse. Less less people were going there because it was my grandma's house and she was living there too. But uh, that's when my mom's mental health got the worst. Just uh-huh. I mean. She wouldn't even have to be drinking, and she would be absolutely crazy sometimes. I mean, just talking off the wall about stuff and uh, paired with drinking and paired with not taking your medicine or taking your medicine with alcohol. Of course, you go crazy. And uh, those were some of the worst times at her house because she would wake me up in the middle of the night to just yell, just scream at me, mm-hmm. whatever, you know. What, and I don't say any of this because I don't want people to feel bad for me or anything, but I just want people to know that whatever whatever you're going through or you went through, you don't have to end up like that either. So Yeah. Yeah, you set the example for that, brother, for sure. Yeah. What and I, I want to know too, Darby. Like, was there was there ever an option for you to like cry out for help or just leave? That's like, get question. out, like exit the situation. Like, what? No, never. There was never. I mean, what was your what was your father? Was your father again? He just had he 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 had no control over extracting you from that. If I could get to a phone, but the phones were locked up, she'd. No Always kidding, have it. man. No, wow. I couldn't call him. I couldn't. If I told my grandma, then my mom would, there's no telling what she would have done. So you know, she controlled the fear then. She yeah. controlled everybody's, you know, she was. Manipulative. Manipulative horribly. That's, she could talk you into anything. That's a different perspective than I've had this whole time realizing that, like, that tells me she knew she was doing stuff wrong. Like, if she's hiding the phones from you, right? she knows that what she's doing is not right and that you would try to escape and right. tell somebody. Well, she was essentially holding you hostage. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And also the thought in my mind was I don't want my mom to get hurt or I don't want right. to not see my mom or I don't want to see her go to jail or anything like that. So really all of it was to try to save my mom. Mm-hmm. Was there any ever any language that kind of – like, did she ever turn nice and tell you that she needed you and you had to take care of her? Like, was that a, like, she guilted you into believing that she needed you? Yeah, it was, she would say that when she was the worst off, when she was drunk or having, what she call those? I guess you could say a panic attack or a manic attack Mm -hmm. when that would happen she would try to and of course i would go because it's my mom yeah you still love her she'd come up with some problem that she would have that i felt like i had to go so i'd tell my dad you know take me here 
take me out here. So, mm. yes. Do you remember any of the feelings like, like the one example you use is when she would wake you up in the middle of the night saying crazy stuff. Like, do you ever remember any emotions like, or what, how that made you feel? Came to a point where it was like, here we go again, mm-hmm. you know, get ready. Cause you never know. Cause she could have woke me up and been like, Hey, you're coming with me to go here, to go there. Or, I mean, just you, if you can imagine it, it was happening, you know? And, uh, it like I said, it came to a point. It was just here we go. Whatever, whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen, and it's I, there's nothing I can do. Nobody's coming to save me. You know, I can't, I can't rely on anybody. That's kind of why I had to. That's the reason I had to rely on God, because I mean, and I don't blame anybody for not coming to save me. I mean, I had the Savior that I'd want <laughs> helping me. So that's that's the reason. Did you ever fear for your life during all this? Yeah, there was a few times that it got a little hairy. <laughs> so. Jeez. I want to know, you know, and day to day when you're in the midst of this, and I know every day was different dealing with her. Every day presented different problems. But, like, day to day for you, like, what did that look like? How did you get through the freaking day, man, as a – as a kid, man, living in this, how did you get through the day, dude? It'd be, she'd wake up or I'd usually wake up first and she'd get up. I'd usually cook breakfast for myself and then she'd wake up and uh, usually around 11, she'd start drinking and I would try to hold it. I would try to get her to hold off, try to play these little tricks with her to try to get her to not drink, you know, be like, hey, can you take me here? You want to go to the store? You want to do this? You want to do that? Just to try to hold it off some more. Um, but if she if she got a bottle down before 11, there was going to be another one, another bottle before the end of the night. And uh, at night when she was real bad off, I would try to say, hey, you know, I'm going to go to sleep or, hey, you ready to go to sleep? Because I knew the faster that I could go to sleep, the faster she could go to sleep, then the day would be over. But I would always think to myself, just got to get through the day. Just go to sleep. The faster you can go to sleep, the faster the day's over. Gosh, dog, man. And how many coping mechanisms did you acquire during that time that like now as an adult you're trying to shed and get rid of you know more than i can count like gosh i can't eating eating was one uh watching my phone or watching my tap my ipad watching tv mm-hmm. sitting on the couch i mean you know being lazy anything that involves being lazy i would be doing just to try to take my mind off of where I was at. So what what a I mean what a battle man. You talk about right first thing in the morning. That's the first thing that's on your mind is trying to trying to at least gain some control over that situation and then by the end of the day thinking I just got to we just got to get to bed as soon as we possibly can so this can be over. He never got any peace. Day after day, like you man. never had 
any. You didn't go to school. I did, and this is this is where like she would wake up. Now, when I I guess when I'm saying this, it would usually be on the weekend mm-hmm. when that would happen. But she would take me to school. She'd take me to school. She'd be fine, of course. Uh, but she picked me up from school. Mm-hmm. I knew what was coming. I was going to get yelled at all the way home, raked over the coals all the way home. Then when we got home, you know, same thing. Mm-hmm. Is that when you realized it? Like it's not normal. Like when you started going oh, yeah. to school, because mm-hmm. I I would think. You know, if that's all you grow up in and you don't really know any different, I mean, it's they're not saying it's it's not you know not terrible, but if you don't know any different, then it's kind of like what you expect. But then right. when you realize, oh man, this isn't normal, mm-hmm. and so is that where you kind of learn that in school? Yeah, and luckily, by this point, I was able to be with my dad more. Okay. Luckily, if it wasn't for that, yeah, uh, there's no telling what would happen, where I'd be right now. I wouldn't be sitting here. Um. But even then, still having to any day there at that point was m- too much. Yeah. Once you were in school and you had a voice and you could kind of speak, I know we've talked about how manipulative she was. Did you get to a point where you just felt like you had to go over there to make sure she was okay? Or like, why did you keep going? Or may I might have just jumped way ahead because we were just in elementary school. No, I'm talking about. Yeah, we're at this point. We're still. Yeah, we're getting closer to sixth grade. Okay. Probably. Okay. At this point. Hold off on that question. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a great. That's a. That's a great description of. Um, you know, I guess a, a high level view of what Darby was going through that amount of trauma and you know it's it's just unbelievable to me that those things happen in in young people's lives like um and it's worse for i mean i'm just one other thing that kept me going was thinking somebody always has it worse than me really that, that is always true i've seen it i some of the people my mom hung around and they had kids and i was like man I'm glad I'm not them. Yeah. Because it, it's even worse. And for some people, that's hard to believe. But for me, that's that's normal. Well, at what point, I, I guess we, I guess you kind of talked about when you finally got to the point that you were getting to spend some more time with your father, you started to, were, did you, did, was it like a weight lifted off of you? Were you starting to experience some relief at that point? from being basically held hostage all the time? Yeah, I did, but there was always that I yeah. knew I had to go back. And uh, around this point, we might have to back up a few years. Uh, a tree fell through my mom and I's house, uh, elementary school. This was probably fifth grade fourth or fifth grade um it was the summer and when that happened we were staying in these hotels and uh i mean like i you know getting drunk every single day yelling screaming hitting people coming over drugs um and these were bad hotels i mean 
you see you've seen the ones in Rome. Yeah, those are the ones we were staying at. Saga Inn. Yeah, mm-hmm. All those. I mean, we were hopping from one to the other. That's scary. Yeah, very. And uh, after that, I'm trying to think, because during the summer, I luckily was able to get away for a little bit longer than normal. I was able, you know, we went on. If my dad planned a vacation, we. You know, I could get away for a week, mm-hmm. which was, was nice. Um, but, yeah, that summer was rough because I was there all the time and it just couldn't get away. There was yeah. no way. I mean, and you said something about having a voice, you know, going to school. Um, and I don't want to talk bad about the system, the defect system, but in my case it wasn't worth anything. No, people came to the house multiple times, nothing. Really? Nothing was done. Nothing was even, no paperwork. They couldn't even find the paperwork. So the cases got closed. Tell me, tell me about that. Like how, how did they get out? Why did they come out to the house? Did they talk to you? Like there was, there was one point she wouldn't wake up in the morning, take me to school. So I had to call my dad for him to come get me and take me to school. And uh, I think I'd had enough that day, so I went and told the counselor what had happened. And, of course, you know, defects came out. But, of course, they give you a notif- they give you a notification mm-hmm. that we're going to be at your house. So the house was spotless. Food was on the table. She was sober as she could be. Uh, she had pee ready. She made me pee in a cup for her. Mm-mm. So if they were to give her a drug test, she I had to do that all the time for her. What? Yep. Uh and uh yeah, it just looked like it was a normal life and that made me look crazy. Did they talk to you? Did they pull you aside and No. Mm. Uh the kid I guess apparently doesn't get a say. They just look at a out you know, they just the look at the environment. The environment, yep. You mean uh, there's another governmental system that's broken? <laughs> that's really sad, though. Oh, like, yeah. Well, well, the sad part is is you hear nightmares about this defect taking mm-hmm. kids away or out of homes yep. uh, that the parents are just disciplining the children in a, mm-hmm. in a, a, a reasonable way. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I've heard that time and time yeah. again, mm-hmm. and... And then you get a situation like yours, Darby, where it's just like, I, I don't know, man. You put the government in charge of anything, and it's freaking yeah. always just a crap show. Yeah. We talked about the VA on the last episode. Yeah. Um, but, but, man. Yeah, so, I mean, when, when did all the – I mean, when did this come to a head, Darby? Like, how how did you – I mean, obviously, at some point, it had to come to a head, and you you got out of there. I mean, because, like you said, you're you're here with us today. You're mm-hmm. doing awesome stuff, man. So, like, what was that point? Or that, if there's any good stuff between now and then. Uh, the point was when I started driving. That okay. was when I finally, in, I think, probably around 13, 14, when I can see that 16-year-old Mark being able to drive, I was like, man, you know, 
just two more years or just I was counting down the days. So I was like, man, once I have a car, if anything goes south, I know I can get out of here regardless, you know. Um, and at this point, we're in Rome now. My grandma got an apartment. My mom moved in with her after her first rehab. This was probably, I was probably 14 or 15. She'd gotten out of her first rehab and moved back in with my grandma. And she, when my mom was in rehab, my grandma sold her house, moved to Rome. So my mom came back from rehab and lived in Rome. And uh, she finally got, because my mom could not hold a job. No way. Yeah. No possible way she would flip out and have a huge breakdown and then have to go somewhere. So, uh, at this point, she was living with my grandma. She finally got, she got her own apartment right beside my grandma, actually. And, uh, she ended up, she was working for the hospital here. Had another crazy, crazy panic attack. Uh, I found out because she came and picked me up from, uh, school, I think, and just going crazy. I mean, absolutely insane. And she was like, I have to drop you off because I'm, I'm could hurt you just because of how, but luckily she realized it. <laughs> but, uh, was she sober then? Yeah. Do you know what pushed her to go to rehab? Do you remember? I think she realized that she was a danger to herself if she didn't. Now, that that at that moment, she was sober. But, of course, before that, you know, that night, I'm sure she was drinking. Okay. You know, yeah. She there was never a point where she was, there could be a week where she wasn't drinking. And this is not to talk bad about my mom, but this is the story. And when she was sober and normal, taking her medicine how she was supposed to, managing her, her, I guess, mental diseases, she was, I couldn't ask for a better mom. And unfortunately, you know, when you mix drugs, pills, and having, bi- you know, being bipolar and having depression, it's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. yeah. So. Did, um, did you ever try to share your faith with her? I mean, did ha, ha, what ha, did, what what happened when you would try that? I would try, and I would try to try to get her to go to church. You know, give her send her things, send her Bible verses, or send her this person doing this, or you know, like an alcoholic that overcame it and was doing good stuff. Try to encourage her, and uh, I would always ask the Lord to. Just like, let me, let me save her. You know, if just let her live one more night. If I thought it was gonna get real bad, if I thought she wasn't gonna make it, I would just be like, Lord, just one more night. You know, just let me, let me do whatever I need to do, just this one more night, and then, mm. you know, maybe she'll get better. You know, just all that kind of stuff. Trying to, and I would ask God why a lot, why He allowed it, and you know, of course, I know now that's not the right question to ask but uh because you loved your mom right. i mean through all this you still loved mm-hmm. her 
quite yeah, obviously no i yeah. mean that's some unconditional love right there yeah. when you have somebody that's treating you that way and you're still literally making intercession for them and saying god just give them one more mm-hmm. night so hopefully i can sh- point them to you yeah i mean that is unconditional love and, and, and forgiveness on a whole yeah. other level yeah and it just it just never it just never stuck never nope she was just too she had tunnel vision and that was at the end of that tunnel was the bottle do you know like did you ever find out through family or from your mom like what trauma she had or like what caused her to struggle like this well her mom was an alcoholic when she was a kid she's not anymore but she was and my mom went through a lot as a kid and what my mom's told me my mom treated me like her mom did i think i got a little worse but i don't try to compare you know things like that but um she had she had said sometimes that you know she was molested but i you know is that true i don't know you know i didn't it was hard for me to believe a lot of things that came out of my mom's mouth. Yeah. But uh But her mom was the same mammal that y'all lived in the apartment with in Rome. So mm-hmm. she got sober. Right. And like a, a got long straight. Time ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you see, my mom kept going back to her. It was almost the same story. Cause I like I kept going back to my mom. She kept on going back to her mom. Yeah, yeah. You know, her mom would make her feel bad for leaving, so she'd come back. My mom would do the same thing, so. Man. You know, so, my mom had always said she'd never treat me like her mom treated her, but it's, it's the alcohol. It's a disease. It's what it does to you. It makes you a whole different person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So The testament to that is that, like you said, to reiterate, like when she was sober, she was awesome. Mm-hmm. She just was Definitely. never sober. Right, never. I mm-hmm. mean. Never long enough for me to enjoy it. Yeah. So you got your license, and <laughs> now you have the ability, if, like you said, stuff goes way south, you have the ability to extract yourself from those situations. And when you did that, where would you go? So at this point, when I think I was around 15, she moved into, I guess you'd call it government housing yeah. projects uh, in town, in West Rome. And uh, that's where it went from bad to worse. More, uh, I mean, hanging around gang members. I remember one time, I don't know if this is too much to share. I, won't, I'm not, I don't even know anything really, but... Nothing's too much to yeah. share. She... She called me. I was playing tennis. She called me. She said, Darby, I need you to come home now and don't go anywhere else. Don't stop for anybody. Don't do anything because I have upset a crip member and he has threatened to disembowel me. And I'm thinking, what have you done this time? Gosh, dog, man. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, so I... I got, you know, I think I probably had a knife in my car. I brought it inside. There was, I mean, what was that going to do? It wasn't going to do nothing, but, you know, it, and she said she'd called 
somebody to try to help, but I was thinking, man, you were just stupid. How could you do that? But you were going to go defend her with your knife. Yeah, I, I mean, that's... She called me, told me to come home, and I, I left. I didn't tell anybody where I was going because I knew if I said anything, it's, you know. That's another question, like what you just said brings up. Like, did was she in and out of jail ever, or did you ever think about calling the police and being she like? She never went to jail. She, I think she went maybe twice, long time ago. Mostly because it was alcohol, right? Yeah, but like, she was she was selling pills all the time. That's how she made her money. And that's why she could live in a government housing and not, you know. But she she made enough to, you know, buy, buy, buy you know, have some luxuries mm-hmm. without the government knowing she had money. So, but wow. uh, that was one example of, you know. But, yeah, I went and luckily nothing came out of it. You know, or I probably wouldn't be here today, but that's just one story. And, you know, in that time, she had so many different boyfriends that would beat her, but she would never tell me. She'd just let me come home and find her black and blue. Yeah. You know, there was nothing I could do at that point. You know, I wasn't there, luckily. And there was one time, I've never told this story to anybody, but I walked in the house and... I saw the guy on top of her beating her. I mean, bad. She looked rough. So, I I mean, and they were both drunk. But to me, that didn't matter. I wasn't just going to sit there and let it happen. So I had to – he was so drunk he could barely walk. So I just pulled her off, pulled him off, made sure she was okay. And I diffused the situation, got him out of the house, drug him out. I don't know what happened after that. The police actually got called for a disturbance, and I told them I didn't know what they were talking about, that it must have been upstairs. So I I don't like to lie, but at that point, I didn't want my mom to get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Man, I just, to me, it's uh, it's just what, as as a child, uh, I mean, your brain's not even fully developed, and you're having to deal with these situations and your cortisol levels just through the roof. And, like, gosh, dude, it would have just been so hard not just freaking quit, man. Just yeah. end it. Yeah. You know? Um, or, like, when your mom calls you and tells you the gang member's going to disembowel her, be like, well, you're on your own on yeah, that one. Yeah. You know? For real, man. Like, I don't um, know. I mean, so I, I definitely want to talk to you in in a few minutes about now that you now that you've gotten older, how you have worked through some of these things in order to be able to come here and tell this story and maintain your composure, right? Because that's a pretty dang impressive. You've obviously you've obviously experienced. I don't know how you you reached this point, but it takes a lot of courage. Um. So when you when you're able then to start getting out of that situation, where'd you go to your dad's? My dad's. He okay. He literally lived I could be there in three minutes. Like, you know, he lives you know where those places are in West Rome and where I live now. Three minutes. And if I had to, I could run there. There's no problem. Well, back then I'd probably walk. I couldn't run back yeah. then. But 
Yeah. Uh, so and I felt I felt more safe than I ever had. Gotcha. So there was still some nights when she'd have guys come over. She she had this one guy. He'd been convicted of a murder, and she had found out. And she kind of was afraid to say anything. She told me about it, and I was like, well, I don't know what you want me to do about it. There's nothing. I mean, you're the one that you've let him in this house. So she told me, well, he's only here so he can pay the bills. So, you know, she would do stuff. She would she would get in these situations with these guys so she could have the bills paid for. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I've paid the bills a couple times, but I couldn't keep it up. You know, there's no, I mean, yeah. I could barely have a job at this point. I was just trying to save money so I could pay some bills for, but you know, there's a whole, there's a lot more stories that go with that with her male friends. Well, and how old were you? Like what we're talking about right now? Like you paying bills? Uh, it, I'd been paying some of her bills since 12 or 13 birthday money come around. Give it to me. Dang. Christmas money. Give it to me. Mm -hmm. Let me sell your iPad. Or pawn it, yeah. Knowing, knowing she's not gonna right. pay it back. So. Well, and and for everybody listening, like a lot, some of this stuff we're talking about, we're already in high school, right? Yeah, fourteen. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you are still in high school. I am. Mm -hmm. Like you don't. People listening are probably like, "What?" Because it doesn't sound like fast. that. Yeah. yeah. So like this wasn't long ago, and that's even more astonishing that he's here. Talking and you said, "Boo, you want to hear about how he worked through?" I want to hear about what you left all that with, like all this, like the coping mechanisms and the problems and the things that manifested, like even once you got to a safe place. Like I want to hear about that. Like, you know, what did you notice came out of all of that trauma? Yeah, well, yeah. When you finally, mm -hmm. yeah, when you finally did get out, and, and how did you finally? Like, yeah. get out of there. Like, where did you end up? Like, well, unfortunately, I think me getting out was, and I hate to say it like this, was really no other way, was when she died. Really? Yeah. That was. No kidding, man. That's what, wow. there was no, and I, you know, like, I've been searching the reason why. I don't ask God why, but I, I ask him, what do you want me to do with this situation? What? peace you know give me some peace about it and show me the reason that why what what's going to come out of this and I think it was there was I wasn't ever going to get any better if it wasn't you know and I and when she died she died in August so nine is that nine months that is that recently yeah nine months ago what ha yeah. can you talk about what happened I'm guessing kidney failure she died in her sleep and what's crazy is we had a whole, I mean, pretty bad relationship at that point because I was never going over there. I told her, I'd kind of written her off, say, you know, if you want to get better, you call me when you're better, but don't talk to me unless you're better. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she'd finally, you know, started saying, you know, hey, I'm going to get better, but I'd heard that before, you know, countless times. But one night she said, can you please come stay with me because I'm sick? And she'd, she'd been sick before her body would swell up and you could, you know, kind of, she'd get bad. 
And uh, I told her I'd take her to the doctor, kept on. You know, I went over there. She looked rough, bad, legs swollen, I mean, real bad. And I was saying, Mom, let me take you tonight. Because she was supposed to go to the doctor the next day. But uh, she re- she wouldn't. She wouldn't let me. She was delirious. Um, told her good night that night and uh, woke up to go run. Actually, I had a morning practice for cross country. And I there was something weird because I went, I would always tell her bye or else she'd get scared. She'd wonder where I went. So I went in there, told her, you know, bye. But she wouldn't wake up, which was weird because usually she'd wake up because she was a light sleeper. At least when I was there, she was. But there was something up with her breathing. And I was thinking, man, she must just be having a bad dream and not waking up. But, you know, I got, I texted her, told her I loved her that day. Didn't get a text back, which I thought was weird. She'd text back like that. Especially if it was me texting. She'd she'd just be waiting by the phone. So I get the text, or, you know. And then I'm supposed to go to work that day. And my aunt calls me. And it was a weird time for her to be calling me. She'd never call me. She would just text me stuff. Uh, she called me. I was like, well, I'll call her back. Then my dad calls me. And I'm like, okay. something, Something's not right. So he calls me. Asks me where I'm at. Tell him. And I'm just saying, look, just tell me. Don't don't tell me when you get here. Tell me now. Because I need to know. So he tells me. I drive. My girlfriend and me, we drive to her apartment. I told him I'm not seeing her, so get it, you know, I'm just going to wait till she's out of there. And I went and pretty much just melted down. I threw away anything I had there in the dumpster. I was mad, just pissed off, thinking, man, why why didn't you let me save her one more time? Yeah. yeah. So, but. Jeez, did you, did you know when your dad called, did you know it was about her? Yeah, when when my aunt called me, well, actually, I did answer my aunt's phone call, but she was too distraught to tell me. I was thinking, you know, what's wrong? Because I've, I've never seen my aunt cry or ever heard her cry. So I was like, man, what's wrong? She was like, you know, it's your mom. I'm thinking, well, maybe she's just in the hospital. I didn't think, you know, because yeah. my mom had, sur- you know, survived so many crazy things. I mean, she'd been into kidney failure twice before that. You know, probably a year prior, I was thinking, man, you know, nothing can hurt my mom at this point. Mm-hmm. So then my dad tells me, and that's when, you know, I find out. So, so that initial, that initial, I guess, reaction to her passing away sounded like it was more anger than sadness, huh? Yeah, I really wasn't sad, just mad. Yeah, because I was thinking, man. All these times that I've saved her, couldn't why couldn't it just be one more? You know, if you could give me one more chance, then I can get her better. You know. Yeah. But and when did that transition into something other than anger? And and what what did it what did those emotions transition into or turn into eventually? I think it probably took me two or three days to realize it and uh i was just like man there ain't no reason to be angry because it it's not bringing her back nothing nothing it will 
bring her back and being angry isn't going to help anything. So I started praying, started back running because running was my thing. I could go and I could, truth be told, I don't like running, but we can get into that. I don't really like running that much. We can get into that later. Um, But I just started praying, asking, you know, just to show me, show me something good that's going to come out of this. Because right now it doesn't seem like anything's good. So at that point, you said that you were at cross country. Had you already kind of started working on yourself before your mom died or was that like? Yeah. So we'll just back up just a little bit. It was sophomore year cross country. I was in a computer class and the teacher was a cross country coach and uh, he told me to come out and run so I could get in shape because he knew I was fat. So he told <laughs> yeah, me you to were, come out and run. You were heavy at heavy. this point, right? Very, yep, big. Big for my size or for my height. I was thinking, yeah, I'll come out and I ran three miles that day and thought I was going to die. <laughs> but I did it. And I, I remember that day I went home told my mom how it was you know she was proud of me but then of course that night she got drunk and I was like man but when I that night or that day when I was running I was like I'm not thinking about anything right now I'm just thinking about how bad this hurts I'm not thinking about yeah. my mom I'm not thinking about you know any of that stuff so that's kind of the first moment I kind of felt that this could be something something I could do so <clears throat> What were we talking about before I said that? <laughs> but that wasn't, like, that moment. Like, you've obviously done some serious work on yourself and your emotions. I'm sure you got a lot to go. We all do, because it was only that a year ago. Yeah, that's still a long way to go. Yeah. Um, but the fact that at your age you're challenging yourself, you know, you're trying to do things to constantly better yourself. Did that journey start before she died? It or? did. It started probably about a year before that. Probably a year and a half. What started? Like, I like I know you said you wanted to lose weight. Mm-hmm. That Was there anything else that motivated you? After I lost weight, um, I had a buddy. He was going to go into the Air Force. So I was helping him train for it because I'd lost weight and I was in pretty good shape. I was helping him train for it. And we were doing a workout and we came up with this idea to just go to a track in Rock Mart. Do you know that park in Rock Mart? There's just a little, like, Nathan Dean. Yeah, like a 200-meter track. Mm-hmm. So we go out there, and we do 34 miles, huh. and then in each lap, 20 push-ups. So I think it was 2,200 push-ups we did also and 34 miles, and that – that moment I was like, after it was done, I was like, man, I'm in so much pain, but I'm not like, again, I'm not thinking about my mom. I'm not, Yeah. I just feel at peace at this moment. And, uh, from there I was just like, man, I'm just going to keep, keep going, see what I can do. And, and yeah, that was today. before she died, right? The, yeah, when you before. guys went out and mm-hmm. did that. Yep. Yep. And again, I go home after that and it's, reality sets in again you know that i'm still in the same place but the longer i was out there the 
better I felt. It was just an escape. That's right. That's right. But did I guess probably the answer to this is probably pretty clear, but I think it can go either way for kids that are probably in that situation. Like either you can be totally turned off to the alcohol and drugs or, or you could maybe have an you know, a pull to go down it, but it sounds like when you found Jesus early, that, you know, that kind of shut out any idea of ever mm-hmm. wanting to go, to turn to that for help instead of Jesus, that that was right, definitely. what you found early. And also, and I this is something that I still have a long way to go, but I'm still scared of alcohol. Like, I can't, if I see it, it's just like a B-roll. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet. In my mind, it could be, a beer can, it could be walking down the aisle in Walmart and seeing it, and I still get flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And that's just something used to used to be worse. I'd just shut down, not talk. But now, you know, it's something I can manage. Well, so, and I think it's going to be part of your ministry, man. I mean, that's yeah. a powerful, powerful right. Um, testimony some of that fear is healthy in my opinion not like not like uncontrollable flashbacks but man your grandma and your mom i mean they're so close to like actually finding which genetic marker makes you predisposed to alcoholism and you know so you probably have that i think i definitely i have a pretty addictive personality yeah i've already found so there ain't no way I'm even going to try. I mean, there's no, Mm -hmm. that's off the table. Smart. Well, we were talking about how that, those emotions of anger kind of transitioned into something that was not anger. And you kind of were talking through how you were, you, you know, you were praying, you would go out and run and think through this stuff. And, um, where, where, where are you at now with, with those, thoughts or emotions around her passing away i mean what what have what have they developed into at least up to this point and how how is that helping you or not i think now it's i think probably at the beginning of this month i finally was like cuz for a long time it didn't seem real cuz i'd still pick up my phone to call her Mm-hmm. And be like, well, you know, I can't. But now I finally, you know, it's finally real to me, fully real. There's no, there's, I still, I, there's no question to me anymore. Because I used to, I think probably even a month to two months after it happened, I was still like, man, you know, this must be a bad dream, you know. But of course, it's not. Um, but that run we went on. I didn't tell anybody, but I had, we, she was cremated. So I brought me a little baggie with some of her ashes and I was feeling not that I needed to let go, but I needed to like, there was something I was still holding on to. So I brought a baggie and I let her go after the start back. I got in a quiet spot and I sat down and I just prayed and I, you know, dumped her, dumped her ashes out and, Mm. At that time, I felt just a release of something. I didn't know really what I was holding on to, but I felt I had to do something to let it go. And since you know, since then, I feel I feel more at peace about it. You know, it's so cool, man, to be having a conversation 
with you because you're a person that's doing this stuff in real time, dude. Yeah. You're working through this stuff in real time. Like, you you haven't developed, you know, that cookie cutter story. You'll you'll have it one day. You'll mm-hmm. have you'll develop your your testimony into. Mm-hmm. I, I can present this in twenty minutes to anyone. You yeah. know what I mean? But it's so cool. I've never had an opportunity to sit down with somebody as courageous as you that can talk about this stuff while they're working through it in real time. Yes, yeah, it's raw information it's, here. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane. I've never heard a podcast with a, with a guest on that was doing what Darby is, has been willing to do for us here today. It's absolutely amazing, man. That's what I'm sitting here thinking is, you know, we're asking questions about things and, and some of them have just happened as soon as nine months. Well, you know, I mean, as soon ago. as, as soon as last what, weekend, last weekend. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That was on the, the Penhody run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Man. Dang. That's crazy. Do you have anybody? And I really want to dig into like, other than the flinching and like seeing alcohol, like I want to talk about some other things that you deal with from that, but do you have anybody in your life now that you can kind of lean into for for this stuff that's kind of for me a lot of it is within myself i feel that i need to reconcile it it's really when i you know talking about it helps but to me it doesn't help me as much as me getting alone and thinking and bringing it up even if I don't want to I have to force myself to bring it up regardless I mean of course I don't want to think about my mom being dead (laughs) but I get alone away from everybody and I just think and I think and I think and I cry if I got to I just get it out by myself and when I come back I feel I feel better but I have my girlfriend and I got another buddy that goes to the gym with me that uh, that's my circle, mm-hmm. like you talk about, mm-hmm. that I found. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is within myself that I find I can handle it better. Mm-hmm. So, are you comfortable talking about some of the things that, like, maybe you're still noticing that you're carrying with you from your childhood and from the grief of your mom? Yeah, I am because I feel like I have to be. I feel like this. The Lord, he's telling me that I need to do it regardless of how I feel. It's not, my feelings don't matter. You know, the the of course the Lord cares about my feelings, but if it's bettering his kingdom, then they don't matter. So. Yeah. Well, um, I, I mean, the, the question that's really on the, the tip of my tongue right now, and then I want to dig into some of the the weight loss journey and and the struggle that you had within that specific mission of yours. But what is driving you right now, man? Like, what's getting what? Darby's at at CrossFit, getting after it. He's running. He's got a freaking last man standing race this coming up weekend. He's in the mix, man. He's in the community. He's in the mix. I mean, how are you? What's driving you? What's getting you out to do these things? 
what's driving me the most is knowing where I've came from and where I don't want to end up. And, you know, of course, people say, well, you don't have to run crazy. You don't, you know, you don't have to do this stuff to not turn out that way. But to me, I feel like I have to. This is the only way that I can live. I mean, I guess kind of live extremely in, in a sense for me to not because it'd be so easy for me to go down that path. I mean, I could do it in a split second, but driving what's driving me is to not end up that way. Well, and I mean, we all went to high school. Everybody, at, especially your senior, like everybody's drinking. Everybody. Everybody's partying. Everybody. Like, so for you to have those feelings and those flashbacks, like you can't go hang out with most people. Like no. you have to find something else. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, well, and to get on, you know, another thing, just thinking through it, to get on here, being in high school, there's some of your high school classmates that are going to listen to this. Right. And some of them are probably going to probably make fun of you about it. Oh, I don't sure. know. Yeah, you know, sure I mean, just will. knowing how they, they don't have a legitimate reason to, right. but knowing how kids in high school are. Mm-hmm. And, and on top of that, you know, to, I mean, having all that stuff on top. And still coming here is amazing. And I'm thinking the whole time this is kind of off topic, but but what I'm getting out of this is like you never know what somebody's going through. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know if you you said you was, I was overweight before in school, was, and mm-hmm. but you know, people picking on folks, me even just making a a comment, just you know, half heartedly. But I mean, that could have very easily been the straw that broke the camel's back for you. I mean, clearly it wasn't, but going through all you did, all you need is for someone else to be adding on top of that, you know, and that's what I'm right. thinking here is, is, is man, you never know what somebody's going through. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to say anything that's even, uh, you know, could be portrayed that way, then. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, when you bring that up, the way that we as human beings, um, not just high school age people yeah people in general the freaking armchair quarterbacks right Mm -hmm. you come on this podcast man and you pour your heart out and you give your testimony and there's gonna be some cat sitting on their couch that's that might listen to this i don't know most of our listeners are really great people but there might be some random person that wants to listen to something any of us say and and try to pass judgment on it or try to freaking critique you or try to put you down because of something you say from their armchair, yep. right? You're not living. Get up, man. Live life, man, yep. and then come and talk to me. Yeah. Look, man, The this, this book right here says that we should glory in our persecution. We should glory yep. when people put us down for our testimony, for the word of our testimony. And I'm going to tell you right now, if anybody ever has a word to say about something that you said, I said, you, any of us said, you know what that tells me? That tells me that I'm going to surpass that person in yep. life. I'm going to do more than that person will ever be capable of because I am the man in the arena. Yeah. You're right? the one they're talking about. I'm the I am the man in the arena. So go ahead. Yeah. Go right ahead, man. 
And and I, I reflect back. This this makes me reflect back on when when I was Darby's age. Not that I had went through anything even remotely as difficult as he's been through up to this point. But I was made fun of quite a bit when I was young, because because I was who I was. I was a I was a weird cat, man. I didn't have a girlfriend till I was like eighteen years old. Right and and this and that, and man, I love seeing what those people are doing. Yeah, I love seeing what they're doing in life right now. Not that I'm high and mighty, but it just reassures me that yeah. if you're the man in the arena, yeah, there's gonna be people that's gonna talk crap about stuff that you say. Yeah, glory in that, man. Praise God. That's it. Dar Darby told us earlier he's one of his goals is to run a hundred mile race this year. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, no, no. I'm like, what? What? What in the world would have made me as a senior in high school find the motivation to even want to sign up for a hundred mile race? So the guy in the armchair, like, I don't, I just don't know what they would have to say about him. The, I just don't. Well, it's it's because that he is the person that he is right now because he has been through his yeah. furnace of adversity, right? He has literally been forged up into this, up to this point. So he is now takes life much more seriously than his peers. He mm -hmm. takes his training. I, I don't mean physical training. I mean, training his mind, his body, soul, and his spirit. He takes that so much more seriously than anybody else around him is going to even be able to understand, right? Because he's been held up to that freaking sharpening stone, man. And and he's just it just it's grinded on him, man, until it's formed this razor sharp edge. And can't nobody even get close to him right now in his peer group. Or are they gonna get cut, son? Yeah. They're gonna get cut. This kid's about to start levitating over I'm there. I'm sorry, man. Blake done put me down a freaking rabbit hole, oh, son. I mean, it it shows too because I, I never met I never met you yeah. in the gym anywhere. And when I came in, I didn't know anything about you. I know you had some kind of, you know, interesting backstory and but when when we sit down here and started talking before the podcast i i thought you might have been like my age like you know you you're out of school in college and or whatever you're doing mm -hmm. and you're like no i'm 18 i'll be great i got another semester of high school and i was like what i mean that's before even much conversation that's just how you carry yourself and yeah so exactly. just to reiterate you know that just how you portray yourself. I'm so sick of people talking about age. People to do that to me all the time, man. By the way, you're older than high uh, college age now, president. Yeah, that's true. Sorry. <laughs> man, I forgot I'm about to turn, about to turn 30. Um, uh, all right. We're in our 30s. Look, man, I want to talk about – you shared just a little bit with us about your process of – getting fit man and getting to a place where you can do the stuff that you're doing now and from the little bit i heard from it on the trail today it was a rough it was a another rough journey within a within a journey yeah it was so what's that all about brother i got to a point where i felt like if i was gonna when i was overweight i guess you could say i was probably athletic because i was playing tennis and uh but fat, if I can say that, fat. 
Lord, yeah, they're fat. Just, no, I'm offended. We're I'm surrounded offended. by fat people. I told, I told me? Brooke the other day we were we were we were driving by the Texas Roadhouse that they oh, put boy. right there in Rome, uh-huh. and I looked at the people walking out of the Texas Roadhouse to their car, and I said, "Man, you know what? Nowadays, easy, easy. nowadays in the South, you're either old or you're fat. <laughs> the old people ain't fat." Because they used to have to work, right? <laughs> but so now you're either you're old and you can barely walk, or you're fat or you can barely walk. So you can say fat. That's you all good. That. You broke you broke that chain, brother. Right. Um. So I was fat, and uh, I was thinking, man, if I if I keep on like this, I'm gonna be what my mom always told me I was gonna be, and that was nothing. Mm. At least that's just what I thought. That's what was, that was what I was afraid of. So I uh, started running cross country, like I said, and eating lettuce sandwiches with <laughs> ketchup. That'd be all I had until dinner, and dinner would be a salad. So you were full with nothing on. on it. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. With the, that and just running. And at this point, when that when it got that bad, I was training for a half marathon. So we were running more than cross country. So. Eating and disorder status. I would say. Yeah, yeah, I was obsessed. There was nothing going to stop me from losing weight, and it got pretty bad. Got, I'd say, pretty skinny. I was sunken in, you know, not looking good. Uh-huh. So, but, and that transitioned to, once I got, uh, once I kind of got out of that, started gaining weight, you know, I guess it was good weight. But I didn't think so. I thought I was getting fat again, so I'd, you know, binge and then make myself throw up. You know, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but that's what happened. Happened for a long time. Didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I would make up stories about why I was in the bathroom for so long, you know, or why there was, you know, it, and it was just gross. I, But that's the story. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. And finally... I'm able now to not do it anymore. Luckily, I can. I have enough self-control now to stop myself before I start. Because once I start, I don't stop until nothing else will come up. So, luckily, that's that's something I've had to work through too. So, how recent. man? I mean, that's a, that's huge, man. Yeah. Like, just you say self. You say you have enough self-control now to to have to have. You know, control o- over that particular disorder, but I mean, how? I say how I do it would be, I look back, and this is with anything. If I want to do something or I want to stop doing something, I look back at any particular moment in my life, and I'm thinking, man, if you went through that, there is no reason to not be able to do this or stop doing this there's no Mm -hmm. there's no excuse other than you're being weak and i just have to call myself out all the time sorry no you're fine after you call yourself out like like that that type of disorder like you said starts with the binge eating like what tactics did you use to like not let it start you know what i mean like not let it get to that point do you remember go for a run after i'd eat which didn't feel good, but that was my punishment. If you're going to eat, if you're going to binge eat, you're not going to throw up. You're going to go run. 
and that's going to hurt. But I've never thrown up while running, so I knew nothing was going to come up. Yeah. It's going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> so, And that's kind of with everything is if I quit something before I start something, I give myself a punishment if I quit. So it's if I say I'm going to run 10 miles and I only run eight, well, there's something, there's going to be a punishment if you don't. And it's not anything crazy. It's just something that I have to tell myself to make sure that I stay accountable with myself. Yeah. 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 And I, and I think, um, I think that, that you can even change the language around that in your own life, man. And instead of, you know, instead of say, instead of calling it a punishment Mm -hmm. for not reaching that objective that you had set out to reach, if you really want to maintain that accountability, I mean, something as simple as saying, I got to, I got to pay the man. I got to pay my dues. Right. Mm -hmm. I got, I got to. Right. So it's really not a punishment. It's you, it's you holding the line and the standard that you set for yourself. Exactly. And for, for whatever reason, if you set off on that 10 mile run and you only ran eight for whatever reason, you know, hey man, I still got to pay my dues today, right? And so then it, I think that'll that flips the mindset on that to where it makes it a more healthy right. way to maintain that accountability when it comes to your physical health. You know what Definitely. I mean? Mm-hmm. So on the run, you we were talking about for a second. Chad doesn't let me ask any questions on runs before the podcast, but I I, I got some in anyway. And, um, we, me and you were talking about like how you kind of, you're working on training your mind and that really hit me hard. Like you told me that, I hope you don't mind me saying, no, okay. um, that you will listen to like a song that your mom loved that really reminds you of her over and over again. So you can sit in those feelings right. on purpose. Yeah. And like, dude. That is one of my biggest struggles is like completely running from anything that makes me feel like, ugh, or, or past trauma. Right. And like to hear that you already in so early and healing from everything are like, a, like forcefully just sitting with those feelings. And like, what do you do with that? Like, what's your goal? Well, the goal is that if I can do that and I can sit there in it. I I believe that to be able to work through something, you got to go head first at it. You can't just be timid like in the ice bath. You got to just get right <laughs> in. You can't, you can't wait. You have to do it now. And, uh, or else you're just prolonging your misery. Exactly. Yeah. You're just going to be miserable for longer. So I just assume be miserable for less time. Yeah. Are you trying to discover something in those feelings or are you just trying to sit with them and feel them? I'm trying to see if anything else is going to come up because I'm you just got to be ready for, because with one, I've found that if I'm working through one thing, something always else comes up, you know, and then I have to attack that. There's always something I'm trying to attack and trying to find peace with. So outside of, um, so we have like the problems with alcohol, the eating disorder, the um like kind of being jumpy, like feeling the problems with looking at the cans. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and then what you're talking about yeah with alcohol. Yeah, exactly. Not yeah, that sounded bad. My bad. Like 
the flashbacks. What else? Like, is there anything else that notice you've noticed? I don't like being touched. Okay. Because my mom would always, when she was drunk, she'd, and I hate to, because these sound like excuses, but there's only, that's the only reason, that's the only way I think is why I don't like those things or those things cause me troubles because of that. I've, that's what I've had to realize. But she would, she'd grab me. She wouldn't let me go. And she would just suffocate me, would not let me go. I would try to get away, but nothing. And now when I'm touched, or if I'm touched and I don't know it, I feel I feel trapped. Or if I'm in a small group, I'm not claustrophobic, but if a lot of people are around me, yeah, I feel, or if somebody's walking behind me, I feel real skittish, like yeah. I need to get away. So that's something, and I'll even put myself in those situations. I will go to big crowds or I will walk in front of somebody just so they can walk behind me. You know, that's that's an actual treatment method. It's called prolonged exposure. That, like um, actual, whatever they're called, psychiatrist or psychologist, <laughs> whatever, they, they will prescribe that. Really? Yeah, they they really will. Yeah, if you if you if you're having problems with like cla- phobias, yeah, too, any, a lot. yeah, anything yeah. like that, prolonged exposure. Um, but you know, man, it's uh, it's interesting that you that you recognize the, I guess, undercurrent that is causing yeah. those things because as Brooke and I, we we just got out of the military, you know two years ago it's taken me up to like just here recently where I, I am just now starting to realize these little things like you're talking about in my own life whether you want to call them phobias or or whatever just you know weird stuff and it's it's so freeing when you can recognize the source of it and you don't you don't have to any longer just be like this is just the way I am because I'm freaking weird. Like, it's so awesome when you can say, oh, no, I'm actually like this. I actually am struggling with this problem that's not normal because of this lifestyle or this experience or this specific situation. Which Mm -hmm. is also not normal. You know, usually whatever caused it, the abnormality was abnormal in the first place. Yeah. And and you have discovered, and tell me if I'm wrong, you have discovered most of those things through therapy, through our marriage counseling. I feel like Jeremy has brought a lot of feelings full circle for you. Um, yeah. And, like, I was going to ask um, if, if you've gone to any therapy. No? Never have. This nope. is all on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, I mean, we, crazy, we have a great Christian counselor, man. He really does. He, these, these people can pick these things out, you know, because they're, they're a third party. They're looking from the outside and they're professionals and they can, you know, you can be telling them a story of something that's causing a problem in your life or your marriage relationship, whatever. And they can pick out the, the, that undercurrent for you and it clicks, man. It's so nice when when they when they make that happen. Um, people and people ask me all the time, why why will I only see a Christian counselor? 
we'll do a whole podcast on that oh, Lord. Um, later on. But it, essentially, uh, I, I, the short answer is is because if you look at the basically the foundation, the the educational foundation that a secular psychologist or psychiatrist goes through, um, it is it all revolves around essentially humanism and evolution. It, 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 in other words, these secular counselors and psychologists and psychiatrists legitimately believe they're dealing with an animal. They, th- they just think they're dealing with another form of an a-, a more complex animal, right? And they're not. So if you don't have a counselor or a, a therapist that can understand that you are not just an animal because you have something that an animal doesn't have, which is a spirit, right? Which is a very, very important part of you, all right? I'm sorry, but look. You can't help me unless you understand that I'm not just an animal. I'm a created being made in the likeness and image of God the Father himself. And so we can do, I can present you guys with evidence on that stuff later on. But just to hit that question at a high level, it is great, man. Well, I'm going to hit it at a high level too. I've had two different counselors that were not Christians that made the biggest impact on me in rehab and when I got out of rehab and they never treated me like an animal or brought up evolution. They just had empathy and knowledge and they made a huge impact on my future. Well, and that is, that's awesome. I mean, and this is the thing guys, when I say this stuff, this is for me personally, this is my own beliefs. Mm -hmm. This is my own experiences. I have also been to multiple secular counselors during my time in the U.S. Navy, and they literally made me feel like I wanted to kill myself. Um, so that's been my experience with secular counselors. And my they were also Navy counselors. No, no, these were civilians. Yeah, these were all civilians. Um, and so uh, th- that's been my experience. That's what my experience shapes my opinion on things. All right, and this is why I'm so adamant about a Christian counselor, and I feel like, yeah, we'll we'll we will dig into that. We will delve into that conversation and present actual evidence, and not only just experiences and opinions, uh, personal experiences and opinions on a later episode. So, well, uh, well, good. <laughs> That's well, just so nice to bring it back to Darby here. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, I think uh, I think a lot of you know you being able to find these things is because you were you know throughout your whole journey that you share with us you're so self reliant right. on yourself. I mean, I, you know, I know that God was was carrying you through it, but you were you didn't have any anybody else really that you were drawn from. So I think. I mean, what I see in here is that you got so in tune with yourself. You knew what right. helped you and what didn't help you, and it's going to be different for everybody. Definitely. So you know what helps you the best, and now that you're on the uphill climb, you're like, man, what, crap, I've dealt with this before. Let me just go do this, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's, it's so awesome that you're able to use what you learned back then to cope with it in the midst of it, right. 
now you can use those mechanisms, not as coping mechanisms, but as growth mechanisms, Mm -hmm. you know, to overcome what you... And when somebody comes to me and they, you know, if they ask me, how how did you come from that to this and or there something is happening with them and what they should do I always tell them to talk to somebody I don't recommend not talking about something um because for me that just works and you know other people might not know the strategies that I use mm-hmm. but I don't I don't tell anybody to do that because for most people that's not I wouldn't think that's that would be the best for them. So Yeah, and I think, too, it depends on, like, the stage of healing that you are in. I mean, it really does. Um, you know, it's such a, it's such a process, and it, it, as you go through life, it, you'll, you'll be in, in a different you'll, – you'll be ready for different s- steps, basically. So um, what's your day-to-day look like now, Darby? What's going on, brother? Usually, do you just want kind of like a typical day? Yeah, day to day. Work out usually in the morning or afternoon, and I usually always try to get a run in and trying to do things that challenge me every day, do things that I don't want to do, but I do them because I don't want to wake up at 5.30 in the morning and go work out but I do it anyways to, um, and I go to school. It kind of stinks. I'd rather be running. That's all I'm thinking about <laughs> when I'm in school is running, but, uh, just ready to get out of school and see what's next. Mm-hmm. So you said earlier that you don't like running and that you would touch on that later. What was that about? Well, I like running what it does for me my mind not even physical because it hurts i don't like that i mean it's not i don't i don't wake up most days and say hey i really want to go run (laughs) i've never felt that desire to run but i've felt the desire to run because of what it does for me Uh and what it helps me do but the physical, the byproduct, the byproduct of running, not right. the running uh-huh. itself. The yeah. running is just something that I have to do to get <laughs> yeah. the byproduct, like yeah. you said. It's, it's the conduit to achieve the result, mm-hmm. yeah. for sure. What are you most passionate about right now? It's a really hard question. It shouldn't be hard, but right now I'm kind of in a gray point. I'm trying to find that yeah. at the moment, and I wish I could say something that I'm truly, right now, I really want to, I have a passion for uh, helping people that have been abused or sexually trafficked. I've always had a passion and want to help those people or just sexual assault or domestic abuse because I've seen it firsthand. I know, I don't know what it personally, what it's like to be a woman and to be assaulted, but uh, I would love to have an organization or, you know, something where I run races and any money that I can raise go to something Mm -hmm. to help those victims. That's been a a dream. If I could do that, it'd be 
like a dream come true, mm-hmm. I think, and to help people with uh, addiction. Yeah. Most definitely. Well, I can tell you right now, you can do that. And you have a, gosh, you have such a powerful, powerful story, man. And I mean, you know, if that's what God's putting on your heart, you know, it's not if you can do it. Yeah, man, you can, you can do it a hundred percent, brother. Um, where I, I know, I know you've discussed with me <clears throat> briefly, uh, kind of, kind of about options within the military and special forces and stuff like that. Where does that fit into the puzzle for you, man? Like you say, I think you say with your being a SEAL, it gives you some credibility, like you say. And, uh, you know, the military is something I've always wanted to do and uh, I felt led to do, but there's something holding me back and I still haven't found what it is. But uh, when I find what that is, if if I can find it and get some peace with it and not be held back anymore, then that's something that I'm going to do. And uh, hopefully with that, maybe give me some credibility and be able to reach, meet more people and reach more people. Hold on. What I want to do. You have all the credibility you need. Now, if you want to go do (laughs) the military, (laughs) good on you, go do it. But you got all the credibility you need. (laughs) Yeah. I can tell you, man, after, after, uh, after hearing kind of, you know, again, from a high level, what you experienced going through, you know, your childhood and even up to now as a man, what you've just most recently been through, it's like I feel kind of silly having conversations about how hard Bud's is because, (laughs) uh, I mean, like you said, to be able to pull from the memories that you have from that furnace of adversity and say, man, if I did that, yeah, I can dang sure do this. And it sounds like you've been able to channel that and to use that to your advantage. So it's almost like you're hanging on to, to and not that those, ex, you could never forget the experiences, but you, you've got them in a place where you can recall them uh, in order to be in an advantageous way, not in an unhealthy way where you right. can bring them up, you can recall them and say, well, yeah, this is hard, but I'm gonna go ahead and tell you that was harder. Right, exactly. Yeah, they're in a toolbox now. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. That's right. We, um, Chad and I were in marriage counseling like what two weeks ago, boo, when I had like a bad breakdown, and he and I told you a little bit about my story outside, just a, a smidge, but I have a lot of issues and shame and trauma and. We brought up something from the past, and I broke loose. And then as soon as we got done, like, I left. I, like, pushed it all back down and, like, walked out, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, hearing you, Jeremy, our counselor, was like, like, you really need to come in and work on that stuff and, like, face it. And since then, I haven't even thought about doing it because I don't want to do it because it sounds terrible. Right. But, like, I'm sitting here listening to you. And I'm like, you're doing it by yourself. Like, I, it's just motivating. I hope it motivates other people like it's motivating me because if you can do that, you know, anybody should be able to face their trauma and their past. And 
I don't know if everyone can have the attitude you do with tackling it head on, but at least, you know, be okay with possibly sitting in those feelings. I don't know if I'm okay with it, but I know I'll try. I don't know. Just your self-awareness is is crazy, man. It's weird. Like, you shouldn't be like that at your age and, you know, trying to deal with everything you've gone through. I would think it would have the opposite effect that it has. Well, for for me, and maybe I'm biased, but for me, that aspect, that spiritual aspect that has that Darby has developed since the age of nine, that's what sets him apart. Yeah. His relationship with Christ, that spiritual aspect of him, right? That's what 3 of 7 Project is all about. Body, yes. Soul, the mind, will, and emotions, those are the things that those secular people can help you with right but if you don't develop that spiritual aspect you are like a two-legged tripod you're gonna freaking fall over over and over and over again and i mean since nine years old i mean what are you doing now to really maintain your companionship with god what are you doing to foster or nourish that spiritual side of your life because you are unashamed of of your faith which tells me you know you're passionate about it right he's unashamed of everything yeah well i of course read my bible every day even could be twice like right now i'm on spring break so i'm reading it probably two or three times a day just sitting down and even if it's reading just a chapter i'm you know reading something learning um and a big thing for me is when I go on runs, that's where I feel and where I can talk. It's like having a, if I go for an hour or two, the longer I go, the longer I can be with God is what I feel like. So really it's nice if I can run for seven hours, seven hours with God. Cause I can, there's nobody out there. There's nobody talking to me. Mm-hmm. It's just me and him hashing it out. Yeah. Any problems I got, they go to him. And I, of course, to me, it's not a voice that I hear from, but it's it's just the f- feelings I get and ways that or things that I need that he shows me that I need to work through. Yeah, yeah. And they come up. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes if I'm on a run, I'll just break down on the side of the trail. Got to take a five-minute break because I can't, I can't breathe because I'm crying, you know. But then I'm like, Roger that. We're going to work on it and we're going we're gonna to fix it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. But I love that, man. So being intentional about staying in the Word, we talked about this on the Q&A episode the other night. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's just so important, guys. You know, uh, this is a question. People right now are so hungry. We, we, did, a, we did that Q&A, and 90% of the questions that we answered revolved around how do I foster my faith how do i increase my faith and i told brooke i said this is wild these people could ask us anything look how many of these questions are revolving around faith this book says that we do not live on bread alone this is your daily bread you have to treat it that way yeah how many times a day do you eat i hope at least three times a day some of you maybe two times a day if you eat like me some of you may be five. Some of you may be five <laughs> times a day. This is your daily bread, guys. You 
got to be intentional about eating. When you get freaking hungry, you go and find you something to eat, right? Well, when you start feeling like you're like you are lacking the ability to believe in or listen or hear Jesus Christ, that means you're hungry. Yeah. That means you better go sit down and eat. So if it if it if you're feeling that way 10 times a day, that means you need to eat when you're hungry. Go and get in it 10 times a day. And like Darby said, you ain't got to sit down and read the whole book. You ain't got to understand every single word that you read, but it's getting in it, man. That's what it's all about. I I cannot get... If you can get this through your head, it is so simple. Well, it doesn't make really... Like, if logically, it doesn't make sense. Like, if you feel like you're needing it and you think, all right, so I go read the Bible, how's, you know... How's that going to help me? Logically, really, it, it kind of, I mean, it does make sense in a way, but it kind of doesn't. And and I will say, I mean, for a lot of times for me, it, it takes, you know, like, I mean, there's times where I just get busy and, I mean, I'll admit it, I, I don't read like I should. And when I don't, it takes me a few days to get back into it. It's not when you go to the Bible, and we talked about this on Resurrected, What what's the reason you go into it for? But when you go to it, it's going to take a, li- a couple times to kind of start learning it and start getting something from it, you know? So Yeah, I mean, sometimes more than a couple times. Like yeah, we, we could talk- take a couple weeks. Well, we talked about all- just on the, that last episode. I-, I just realized it, that I got saved in 2012. I've been, I've been studying this book for nine years. Nine years. Yeah. And I just recently... Y'all, y'all ain't known me that long, but I just recently have, have got to the place in my life where m- my faith is literally the most important thing in my to me. Mm-hmm. Right? My, my relationship with Jesus. It's took me nine years to get there to where this is my primary passion. Yeah. It's even it's hard for me to do things anymore that don't involve my relationship with Christ because I'm just not that passionate about it unless it involves that. That's about the only thing you can get me talking much about. Yeah. I mean, nine years, guys. It didn't happen overnight. So, And here's a a testimony right here proving how that daily bread is working in Darby's life Hmm. right now in real time. Yeah. Something else I'll, you, I mean, this is just kind of aside from everything, but almost a tool. Um, one of my good buddies, a lot of times we would run, and, and he would always ask me, what's God speaking to you right now? And there would be times where I couldn't answer it because I hadn't been reading my Bible. And so I'll use that now. If, if nobody asks me that, I'll think, oh, well, what's God speaking to me right now? Because if you can't answer that, then then you hadn't been reading your Bible. You know, so, I mean, for me, that's just like a question I'll use to keep myself in check on what I want to be prepared for that question should somebody ask me. Yeah. What's God speaking to you right now? And it's always, I mean, in general, most of the time it's going to be what you're reading because that's what you're going to be thinking about. And it doesn't have to be profound either. No. It can uh, be what we talked about at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. That's what God's speaking to me right now. Oh, there might not be nothing wrong with being a vegetarianism. Oh my word. That that it doesn't have to be some profound yeah. like dove just came down and landed on your shoulder, man. Yeah. 
But whatever yeah. it is, it's going to be the truth. Yeah. And that's what's important. What's up, Becky? <laughs> Look, Becky. I know you got something to say, bro. She done got... leaned in on yep. that mic, boy. I was about to talk trash, but I think I'm going to hold off. she was going to rip you. I was. I'm not going to, though. I'm going to be nice. <laughs> she's always here. She's the, she's the, she's the counterbalance, son. Mm-hmm. I don't like him putting down secular therapists like that. Veganism. Huh? Well, that too. <laughs> secular but. veganism. What? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Um, well, hey, like I say, that's a, that's a whole nother conversation and, and, yeah, it is what it is. Um, we I love, love veganism. Veganisms. I love veganisms. We man. love everybody. <laughs> I just can't stand a sec- thank you, Blake. I just can't stand a secular veganist. <laughs> we still love them, though. Oh yeah, we still love. No, them. Chad doesn't. Oh yeah. No, I love everybody. I love everybody. I just hate the sin. Yeah. Oh my word. Which he might find is not a sin. We'll see. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. I mean, this is to be determined. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. I got so much to say. Um, I'm trying not to hog Darby's freaking episode with all of your drama. That's why I'm not commenting hey, on it. There ain't no drama going down here, no. son. Hey. You said a secular therapist made you want to kill yourself. That's Brooke, some freaking drama. You're raising your eyebrows too much. Hey, you this is the plumb line. That's right. This is the plumb line, son. That's it. Um. That's a level if some folks don't know what the plumb line is. Yeah. Freaking secular veganism and their plumb lines. <laughs> Freaking idiots. Hey, I'm about to put explicit on. You Ease know, up, Biscuit. You got to put the E on it. If, if People all just know if Brooke's on. Oh, know, my word. You ain't lying, son. So what is idiot a bad word? Y'all think I get fired up. This Y'all woman have, over here. Likely. She'll let you know. <laughs> um... What's your goal for the last man standing race? The goal is 50 miles at least. So anything, one mile loop? Yeah. Anything less, I'm going to be very unhappy. Just like with my last last man standing race. Very unhappy. But that's what keeps me coming back. Yeah. Which one is it? It's in Griffin, Georgia. I don't, I don't even know what it's called, really. <laughs> I just signed up. It was only five dollars. <laughs> like, man, that's a steal. So I had to. Oh Because usually they're fifty to oh, hundred yeah. or yeah. even more. So that's hilarious. I had I had no choice. That's but how you ultra it. run on a budget. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Ultra sign up needs to make a a special category of like five dollars and races. under clearance uh-huh. races. Yeah, yes. yeah. For real. You put the filter on there. Ten dollars or less. Let me see what you got. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah. word son hey when you're in high school you got to be that way that's don't right you? Uh-huh. i don't have money you got time to earn right. no money i know gotta have to ask my mom she's she's great she supports me so gotta kind of ask her for some jobs if she'll sign <laughs> me up for a race i heard that brother that's awesome well uh i'll tell you what brother i can't wait to see what God move, what God does in your life moving forward, uh, it's just gonna be a, it's gonna be a real honor to to watch and hope that we can, in some way, shape, or form, be a part of it, man. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, this is a start. I mean, everybody, the body of three of seven project now knows who Darby Hopper is, knows he's the real deal. 
he's up here getting after it, and uh, you should be motivated as crap. Yeah. After hearing what he's doing and what he's working through in real time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are um, you on Instagram, Darby? I am. Mm-hmm. What is your Instagram handle? Can I check? Oh, my word. Yes. I can put it in the show notes, too, but if he can pull it up. There's no cell phone service here. Oh, yeah, crap. It's Darby underscore Hopper 1. Darby the- underscore Hopper 1. And I'll put oh. it in the show notes okay. of this episode, too. Um, Blake, you got anything else? Nope, I've said too much. You have said way too much <laughs> on this episode. Other than thank you, Darby. No, thank you <laughs> guys for having me. Biscuit? No, I, I'm still just blown away and motivated to work on myself. So, yeah, I don't know what to say. Darby, you got anything else on your heart, man? Just thank you guys for having me on. It's a great opportunity. I've been nervous for ever since I found out I was going to be on, then it got pushed back. I oh, like, no. Now, now i got to be nervous for another month. Well, but. you know, I mean, I really, that thinking about that, though, man, I think it got pushed back for a reason. For some reason, that's right. Yeah. Yep. I mean. And I'm not saying, I'm not mad. That it was oh, I know back. you're not. I was I just know. saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, brother, we really appreciate you coming on. Um took a lot of courage to share your testimony. I just want to encourage you to uh, continue doing what you do, man, and uh, especially in our community. I think that you can impact our community. Obviously, you can impact the world, uh, but you can impact our community on a much higher level than I ever could because yeah. you, you, know, you, know what's going, you, you know what's going on, man. You know how you can, you know, and, and all this will come. I know it will, man. Um, whatever, whatever God puts you on, you're gonna go head first into it. So, That's right. I got no doubts, brother. So, uh, we'll wrap it up right there, guys. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, drop us a review on uh, iTunes. Please share this episode on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you do your social media. Just take a little screenshot, share it, maybe. If 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 it didn't if if it didn't hit you, just where where you are in your life, maybe somebody that you share it with, maybe it'll hit them yep. in the in the place and the time that they need to hear it. Um, that's why we ask you guys to do that, man. So thank y'all so much. Love y'all. This is the Three of Seven podcast. Enough said. Enough said. <laughs>